the rhetoric that we've used, the thoughts and prayers that you just referred to, it has done nothing to stop the epidemic of gun violence, to protect our kids, our families, our fellow Americans in public places at a Walmart in El Paso where 22 were killed in Sutherland Springs in a church, uh, one or two a day all over this country, 100 killed daily in the United States of America. We're averaging about 300 mass shootings a year. No other country comes close. So, yes, this is fucked up. And if we don't call it out for what it is, if we're not uh, able to speak clearly, if we're not able to act decisively, then we will continue to have this kind of bloodshed in America. Did you just say the F word? You can't say fucking school, you fucking fat ass. Kyle! Why the fuck not? Eric! Dude, you just said fuck again! Stanley! Who? Kenny! What's the big deal? It doesn't hurt anybody. Fuck, 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 fuck. What did you say? Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Actually, what I said was... So, yes, this is fucked up. What the hell is that? What would you say you do here? It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Very hard to say my name correctly. Like, Brian! Yeah! <laughs> What's your deal, man? Your midweek download destination. I like his style. It's a sort of casual elegance. I'm slaying lame and I'm exposing frauds. This is pathetic. This is embarrassing. Mic drop. Turn off the podcast. It's Stone's Weekly Dose. Note to self, don't change for anyone. And note to self, don't die. Welcome in, everybody. The first Wednesday of September. As per usual, another month right off the calendar jumped up and ran off seemingly without me. This is the Stone On Air podcast, the weekly dose for September 4th, 2019. Thank you so much for finding the show. Uh, quite a bit of stuff going on, really. I don't know how much of it's all that interesting. <laughs> I mean, I'm dead serious. I don't know. Uh, this is one of those record days where I just, I'm not entirely feeling it. Been recording radio and podcast stuff uh, all day, and I'm tired, but um, I had a good uh, uh, pre production yesterday. And when I do that, I can't not do it because that just makes me feel like I'm wasting so much time. So uh, we will carry on with the show. So the front of that was, I always forget how to say the name. It's it's Beto, right? Beto O'Rourke? Isn't that how you say it? I don't know. It's how little without cable I even pay attention uh, to anything going on. I forget people's names and I, I miss the headlines and I'm just so, so tired of uh, of just one headline after the next. But yeah, so he cusses, he drops the F-bomb um, right there on live CNN, which I always think is, is uh, I don't know, funny is the right word, but, I mean, it really is kind of absurd to sit here and think that, you know, saying a cuss word is like you've done something wrong. <laughs> I mean, look where we're at. You know, that's that's kind of the thing with the uh, Trumpification of America. That's one of the good things that's coming about. I mean, to a certain degree, it's good, and to a certain degree, it's not. It just depends on, uh, I mean, I guess it's, it's, it's case-by-case basis. But, you know, all the things that we used to care about um, that nobody cares about it at all. Um, and it's we're really, because we're a country emboldened 
by a, a bombastic demagogue, um, just narcissist. And there's a little bit of narcissism in every, I'd say most everybody, certainly ego, those aren't the same thing, but they, they have the same characteristics. And uh, that's why we talk about words matter and leadership matters. And uh, you remember when Obama was president, there was a time or two where he, he had a coffee cup and he saluted a, a naval guy or whatever instead of like with the proper two fingers at his brow or whatever. And the Talking Head show spent a day or two talking about that. That was just a few years ago. Uh, 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 President, uh, wannabe President Clinton, um, did you have you ever smoked pot? Yes, but I, I didn't inhale. What the hell? <laughs> who, you know, who the hell cares about any of this stuff? And the answer is virtually nobody. Nobody really cares about anything ever, and they certainly don't now. And to a certain degree, a lot of those things are good, and to a a, a, a much different degree, a lot of those things are bad. It's uh, be careful. Be careful what you wish for from me, anyway. Uh, let's see. Moon River this weekend. Looking forward to that. If you have tickets to that, hopefully I'll see you there. If you see me, come say. Hello. Uh, so the shooting in Texas. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. There's another one. Um, there's no reason to sit here and make a full segment about it. What is there to say? There's too many guns. I don't like guns. You might like guns. I don't care if you like guns or not. I just, there's nothing to talk about. It's just another one. And there's going to be another one and there's going to be another one. And they're just going to keep happening. Because uh, the the answer to the question of the once rhetorical question is uh, is technology making us mentally ill? Yes, 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 yes. We are mentally ill society, and that includes small diagnoses, that includes non diagnosis or misdiagnosis or extreme cases. So uh, that's just going to keep happening, and there's no reason to do another segment on that because it'll happen again next week, likely. So it is a three-segment show. The final segment of the show, Trump is now pissed at Fox News. And um, uh, what's his name? Neil Cavuto of Fox Business, I believe, is what he primarily focuses on. Uh, Had some words about that. And just what happens if he wins the next election, which I believe he will, and what happens if he loses? Not whether I want him to or whether I think he will, other than a throwaway comment, what happens then? I'll take a look at that. That might only last a couple of minutes. And with Labor Day passing this week, looking into union talk. Now, back when we had the old traditional style of uh, political banter, political debate, uh, unions were regularly a, uh, well, maybe not regularly, but they came up in conversation from time to time. I would say the average numbnut that's all into the, you know, into the Trumpification of everything doesn't really know or care anything about a union. Well, are they good? Are they bad? I don't really know. So I started looking into that a little bit. I'll do that next segment here on the front end. I'm going to bounce around to a few different things. So here in the first segment, I'm going to hit a handful of different things that I've been making notes to self about. First of all, the police officer that was off duty at UTC that had a gun in his hand or a rifle or something and some tactical gear got uh, uh, calls into the police or to the school. And then there was not maybe not a lockdown or shutdown, but there was a lot of initial panic and then it that followed with mocking on social media like oh this is so stupid i can't believe people no no if you see a somebody walking around with a gun near a school or any area where there's uh any kind of civilians around in a peaceful setting call the cops do it every time 
And if if there was somebody walking around who was dangerous, who had a gun and nobody called, and then they went firing, then it would be like, why didn't somebody do anything about this? Let me tell you what I would have done. Shut up. Nobody know You don't know what you would have done. Stop. So, yeah, there's no reason to not overreact. Not in the climate that we're in. Hell no. Overreact all you want. O- err on the side of overreaction. And overall, I think that was handled pretty well. Uh, the Hamilton County School Board and the commission... And the schools themselves the that have been in the headlines here with this tax increase, um, at least the attempt at it, to fund a bunch of different angles of uh, education in Hamilton County, not just raises for t- teachers, but certainly involving raises for teachers. Well, now, and this is not a big deal, but it's still it's the optics, and nobody reads anything past the headline, and we're all just trying to be shocked and awed by the next Twitter post, or Facebook around here anyway. So um, the the Hamilton County Commission got a raise, and the Hamilton County School Board got a raise, and that's making that just the optics of that don't feel good, right? Because we just had this all turned down. I'm looking for the damn piece right now. Where the hell did I put it? I don't even. I don't know what the hell I did with it. I don't need it. I can wing it without it. Um, the Hamilton County Commission makes about $24,000 a year. And it is in the law that the school board has to make at least half of what the county commission makes. I, why? I couldn't tell you. But So there's eight, or is it nine? Nine uh, commissioners, and I believe there's one, for every commissioner, there's one school board member. I'm pretty sure that's that's true. And the highest paid, like the chairman of the commission gets just shy of 30. It's about $29,000 a year. So whatever the half of that is, is what the chairman of the school board is. I think it, I think that mirrors itself on all that. So the, the, um, the Hamilton County School Board got a raise because it states that no matter what the case is, they always make exactly half what the commission makes. Now, I don't know what the uh, yearly agreement is, but it was just your typical, what they call it, COLA, cost of living adjustment. It was a 2.5% raise, about $700 or eight, $500 or something like that. Well, it, David Sharp does a very, he, he's a good politician. He's a friend of mine. I like David. He, uh, he put out there that he's going to donate his raise to some foundation for uh, education put together by Superintendent Brian Johnson. And while, I mean, it's shrewd. I mean, that's like, it's it's like 250 bucks, right? It's like no real money. It just makes it makes you look like you're doing the right thing, even though, I mean, and, and I guess maybe he is doing the right thing. I'm not saying he is or he isn't. Kathy Lennon and some other members of the school board have said they're going to do the same thing. So we're talking about like, uh, you know, maybe 1500 bucks, right? Maybe a little over a thousand, maybe just a touch under two grand money. That's not going to go anywhere or change anything. It's just the optics of that situation. Uh, of course, Tim Boyd and other asshole commissioners just, uh, I'm surprised Tim didn't have something snarky and assholeish to say, but so that's the, the deal there, but you know, two and a half percent raise. I mean, that, that, that kind of stuff happens in governmental uh, settings all the time. It just didn't look good. And then two more subjects before I get out of this first segment. Uh, one will be the Vols. <laughs> I have to do it. And I found another little kind of dorky but close to funny thing uh, making fun of the Vols. I'll do that on the way out of this segment. And for now, though, the the hurricane that is hitting, um, now it looks like mo- a lot of the eastern seaboard as opposed to plowing right through Florida. It is interesting how off the meteorologists have been on this one. Um, I am not one of those ones that hates 
on meteorologists, weathermen all the way around. I think they normally get it right. It's one of those we only talk about it if it's wrong. And um, and it's weather. You know, it, it's not an exact science. It's, a, uh, it's an estimated science. And this massive hurricane, which at times has just stalled at, you know, like a half a mile an hour. And, you know, it's it's just the fierceness of it. You can't predict exactly where it's going. So you need to err on the side of safety. If you didn't, everybody would pull, just like I said a minute ago, ah, they they didn't tell us anywhere. People are dying. They don't care. Here's what I would have done. Shut up. That kind of thing. So it looks like it's not nearly as uh, powerful as they originally thought, and it's not hitting uh, nearly the same area that they thought. Thinking Georgia and Carolina and up into maybe Virginia. And I, I just I haven't followed it that closely. I know we're not getting any damn relief from it as we're in the mid nineties for the next week. But what I I've mentioned it before in the past. I'm pretty sure, and um, I, I can't remember how much I went into it in the past. But it fascinates me to think about primitive times in anything in any walk of our life. And I got to thinking, how, how, did, how did people react to these kinds of terrible storms 200 years ago, 300 years ago? Did they think that like God was coming to take to, you know, the rapture? I mean, did they did they think that the world was about to end and that it just it almost happened every now and again? I mean, a hurricane, the, the great thing about a hurricane is because of how great science is, we can follow that thing all the way until it slams you. Other natural disasters, you can't do that. Tornadoes, you can get a little bit of advance on, but not not a lot and not real accurate. Uh, earthquakes, obviously, you can't really tell other than where you know where fault lines are. But a hurricane, you can watch and follow every single step of the way from the minute it turns into a tropical storm until it turns into whatever category hurricane it ends up becoming. And you can take the necessary precautions. The other thing, though, first, before I'll even go further into my thoughts on that is, I don't know how anybody lives on the coast and doesn't live in, in pure anxiety. I mean, certainly every late summer... Um, but really all year long, knowing that there's a very good chance that virtually once a year, your property might get destroyed. <laughs> Is the beach that great that living in that kind of, uh, almost certainty of, of damage and danger? Is the beach that great to, to overcome that kind of anxiety? I, I just, I can't imagine how I could ever, uh, adapt to that kind of life, even though, it sure is awesome when it's going good down there. I do know that. So back to what I was talking about of of, of just the uncertainty of 100, 200 years ago or even 100 years ago. And when uh, I guess after a while when you have documentation historians who say, yeah, roughly around this time a big storm comes, I guess generations can get used to that. But I got to thinking to myself, what is the history of meteorology? Like when could we officially... Uh, start to track storms and have atmospheric understanding like when was that and I just didn't know the answer to that and I think that a lot of times you know stuff we learn in school with science and stuff like oh yeah yeah of course I knew that but most people don't sit around thinking those kinds of things and I sucked in school so if I learned in school I didn't know so what I have done here is I was just thinking okay there's a difference in just measuring the temperature and 
meteorology. And when was meteorology uh, advanced enough to where you could predict these kinds of things based on what you know now, not based on historical data? Those are two different things. Um, but I could just imagine being, you know, in the 1600s and a, a hurricane comes. And, I mean, do you just think that the end of the world is here? Like, this this is it. We're done. Uh, there's no way out of this this time. It's just wild to think about. The study of meteorology dates back thousands of years, though significant progress in meteorology did not occur until the 18th century, so the 1700s. The 19th century saw modest progress in the field after weather observation networks were formed across broad regions. It was not until after the elucidation, so you say that, elucidation of the laws of physics, and more particularly the development of the computer, allowing for the automated solution of great many equations, blah, 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 blah. So weather has been being observed and measured since really, what did that say? Since the uh, 1700s, for the most part, that's when it really started, like t- thermometers and, uh, and, and Celsius and, um, and Fahrenheit were uh, developed in 1724, was when Fahrenheit was developed, and Celsius in 1742. Tons of other discoveries, inventions, and laws were made during the 1800s into the mid-1900s, but let's move on to the first computer model. That was created in 1950 by Princeton University with the first forecast using a numerical model. Numerical model, excuse me. The first weather satellite, that was in 1959, but the ability for radar to pick up rain and snow was actually discovered in 1941 during World War II. Constant improvements have been made since the 1950s to satellites, radar, observations, and modeling to reach today's level of atmospheric understanding. Obviously, most of us understand all of that. So it was in the 1700s when thermometers were starting to become uh, the, the norm for just the measurement of the current state. But when was it that we could finally actually be able to track hurricanes and try to keep people safe? It sounds like that wasn't until in the, the 20th century. And so for only about 100 years and really considerably less than 100 years, have we been able to successfully... Uh, track these storms and and follow the necessary evacuation process. Before that, it was just a bunch of people sitting around thinking, "Well, you know, it's August, so that means sometime between now and Halloween, or or whatever, maybe a little before that, or uh, the beginning of October, there might be a storm that comes up amongst I don't know, maybe the Gulf this time, or maybe it'll be the Atlantic seaboard." I'm not sure. Let's sit outside and look outside the window every night, hoping it doesn't come this time. I mean, can you imagine that kind of stress of living? And everything's relative, and generations to generations to generations adapt to their surroundings. But uh, I don't know. I, I've That just kind of fascinates me for the most part and wanted to touch on that for just a minute. And then on the way out here of the first segment, yes, the Vols. <laughs> Uh, the Vols, the Vols. If you're a fan, I'm sorry. I know someone piling on is no fun, but I've watched my fair share of really awful teams in my adult life, and I've had a lot of heartbreak and sports, uh, uh, you know, uh, observation and attendance and following of uh, of different teams. And 
you know, I've never really overly concerned myself all that much what other people cared or thought about my team. You worry about you, I worry about me kind of thing. But I really love making fun. Well, no, let me rephrase that. I don't like making fun of Tennessee uh, fans. I just like watching them lose and then watching them, um, I you know, just uh, complain. Social media makes it so much fun. Sports radio is so much fun. And uh, they lost to Georgia State, and I'm a Atlanta kind of guy, and Georgia State is an Atlanta school. They play at the old Turner Field. I'd love to go see a football game there, so I'm not trying to pretend like I'm a fan because I'm certainly not. But it was a little added bonus to watch them win, and Atlanta radio today was a lot of fun. This is something I found somewhere. I don't remember where it is. Hold on. Let the oh, There it is. This is Tennessee breaking up with the playoffs. And if you remember, if you were here last week, I did the little skit they did about selling beer. It's not that funny, but it's just funny enough to do. This is the University of Tennessee football team breaking up with who's a, a girl in this skit, but she is known as the playoffs. This isn't easy for me to do, but I'm breaking up with you. Do I know you? I know you want to break the monotony of Clemson and Alabama every year, and you wanted me to be that guy for you. And I wanted to be that guy. But like I said, it's my December. It's crazy. I just don't have the time, and that's it. That's the only thing. Uh Uh-huh. I know why you're into me, all right? I have the intangibles, okay? Big stadium, tradition, Peyton freaking Manning. Oh, you're Tennessee. Mm Mm-hmm. That Tennessee. Well, you played like Georgia, right? And they're pretty good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Georgia, great team. A lot of weapons, very good. We were basically helpless against them. Wow. So, yes, a lot of people are into me. Let's face it, it's a little selfish on your part to monopolize everything that I have. I've been messaging with the Liberty Bowl. She has stopped replying, but uh, we've had some good times, right? Back in 98? Oh, yeah. You mean with my mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's... I guess that's... I guess that's right. Well, this has been so hard for me to hear. But thank you for telling me. Oh, look, I'm all about honesty. And what do you say we check back in next season? You play Oklahoma next season. Oh, yeah. TBD then, right? (laughs) Ah... I'm actually a little light right now. Could can I borrow like nine hundred and fifty thousand dollars? <laughs> and that's of course how much it costs for the Vols to pay Georgia State to come uh, and play in Knoxville. On the way out of this segment, so it looks like I found this uh, the, the the highlights I made as far as the school board members and the Ham- Hamilton County Commission goes. Commissioners are up five hundred ninety-five dollars a year, and the school board is up two hundred and ninety dollars a year so uh the the uh, board members and commissioners or i guess just commissioner uh, david sharp donating their raises to this uh, foundation is nothing more than just a, a talking point because that's not real money all right coming up next we'll take a look at uh, labor unions in the united states past and present are they good are they bad are they neutral I don't know. We'll come to an answer, but we'll talk about it next. Stone on Air will be right back. He's cool. Stoneonair.com. Labor Day. It all started in the 19th century. 
overworked and exhausted laborers were fed up and demanded better treatment. In Canada, laborers marched to their prime minister's doorstep and asked for their right to form unions. Oh, Canada. The march was victorious. They celebrated better working conditions with an annual parade. Peter J. McGuire, an American labor leader, was invited and thought to bring that spirit to America. And what a success it was. In New York City, protesters assembled to fight against poor labor conditions. The movement quickly spread across America. Workers gathered for picnics, concerts, and speeches, rallying for eight-hour workdays and a labor holiday. More than 80 countries worldwide celebrate Labor Day or International Workers' Day on May 1st. But the first Monday of September made sense for Americans because it falls between Independence Day and Thanksgiving. This gives working families a much-needed break. Fast forward about 100 years, and the Labor Day holiday has become a kind of farewell to summer. In the USA, kids go back to school, football season starts, and fashionistas hang up that little white dress. But let's not forget that Labor Day is a celebration of the labor movement, dedicated to the social and economic achievements of workers all over the world. It's evolved into an appreciation of life and well-deserved break from work. If for nothing else, I just want to hear that dude's voice. Hell of a set of pipes. Now, in uh, this portion of my life these days, I'm finally getting some holidays off occasionally. Majority of my 20s, early 30s, I worked every single week uh, weekend, certainly many weekends, and virtually every holiday for many years, every Christmas. Every Thanksgiving, I was taking leftovers from Christmas and Thanksgiving dinner, you know, to eat in the middle of the night at Casey One of Sucks or whatever I was doing for talk or any other production work that was being done for many, many, many years. I did it happily, too. I wasn't mad about it. I knew that that was what I had to do to prove my value. And in the last... I don't know, I'd say at least five years, but maybe a little bit longer than that, but certainly the last five and and the last three more specifically, I have just said I'm not working holidays anymore. I mean, I'm just not doing it. Now, um, at the day job, at the beer business, I work a a lot of holidays, or some of them anyway, like Fourth of July if it's on a weekday, Memorial Day, Labor Day. Um, I do work those, but I get floating days to use elsewhere. And I would actually very much rather pick my days off. Uh, I am a little jealous at the time when everybody else is off and I'm not. But it also frees me up from a lot of obligations that I might not necessarily want to have anything to do with. Hey, we're having a pool party and all the kids and parents and people and that's going to be here. You should come by. Oh, oh, that sounds like so much fun. I'm so sorry I'm going to miss it because I have to work. So now you have to feel bad for me. And I didn't want to go to your stupid party to begin with. And this works out. Like, I'm dead serious. Now, there are some parties that I am invited to on a 4th of July, especially 4th. You know, that's that's a holiday I really have missed. A lot of fun stuff. So there are some times where I'm like, all right, you know, this sucks. But most times in this, you know, portion of my life, I'm getting invited to parties 
that I don't want to go to. So I'm happy to say I would love to. It'd be so much fun. But, oh, uh, I have to work. But when it comes from the radio station stuff, um, I'm, you know, I do my gig over there and then I leave. Um, I'm like, hey, can you work a little extra on uh, Christmas? No. Can you come in on Thanksgiving? No. Like, that's that's not how this works. So anyway, what's my point? I'm rambling on here a little bit. So Labor Day doesn't have any real, uh, you know, emotional, definable uh, talking points to it, right? I mean, we all know why it's there, but it's just a day to take off. It's not like Memorial Day where you're, you're uh, what's Memorial Day? You're, mem- you're memorializing the dead. It's not Veterans Day where you are celebrating the, uh, the past uh, uh, servicemen. It's not, it's not a day that needs anything other than just, hey, man, leave me the hell alone. <laughs> I just want to do my thing. But the origins of this holiday and the once vitriol-loaded, fiercely uh, combative debate was unions in this country. Anything we argue about now, guns, I mean, guns are probably always there, but uh, whatever the hell, you know, we, it's a flavor of the week, whatever it is. Unions never is it anymore not in, not in the last 3 years probably not in the last 10 years i know there was some talk about it when you know vw came to town there was some local talk about it but we're a right to work state which i'll get more to uh, into in a minute cuz i've always had an understanding of what right to work meant but i wasn't entirely sure so i looked it up and so once upon a time 30 years ago 20 years ago maybe even 15 years ago the right and the left really went at each other fiercely about unions. And I think it's generational. It's kind of like how I always talk about anybody who hates Jimmy Carter who's under the age of 45, certainly under the age of 40, they don't know why they don't like Jimmy Carter. That's just what they were taught to feel. That's what they were taught to say. Um, I think it's the same thing with unions. And I, I'm putting myself in this uh, th- this ignorant category because here's here's the reality of the situation, right? When you're being when you're being raised in America, you are being influenced the most heavily by your parents, whether they're absentee, whether they're there every day, whether they're harsh and strict, whether they're loose and easier. It doesn't matter. You're being influenced by your conditions. You're, uh, it's all learned behavior from religion to ideology, whatever it is, you're, you're molded and shaped around that. If you're, you know, you're, you're, you're taught to be a Democrat, you're taught to be a Republican, you're taught to be a Christian, you're taught to be this, you're taught to be that. And as many of us uh, mature and evolve in our lives, we expand on some of those teachings, some of that learned behavior, and some of it we completely abandon, right? It just depends on whatever you're into and who, what other outside influences you have, and then your own brain capacity and your own mental makeup. Put all that together in a concoction, blend it all up, and then that is the, the new world view of an individual. And if done well, you'll have a somewhat well-rounded person, and if done poorly, you'll have a complete numb-nut idiot, and, and it just it's case by case. So uh, most of us... As we do develop through these, you know, adolescence and teenage and the twenty our twenties, we ho- hold on to a lot of the core values that we believed in that we were taught growing up, and then we shift away and move to a different direction, maybe even completely opposite from what we were taught because of reason, you know, anecdotal reasons. And the ones that don't matter to us, 
we don't spend any time on. I mean, there's only so much time you can spend on all the different debatable topics in American culture. And it always is going to be driven by whatever the news cycle it is. And it's always going to be driven by oftentimes the media and now certainly social media, which has poisoned all the waters. And for the longest time now, labor unions have not been anything that anybody spent a lot of time on. And the right-to-work states and the non-right-to-work states, if you look at the map, it looks like the Electoral College. I'm dead serious. So this is another one of those, oh, hey, well, whichever way my party goes on, that's the way I'm going to say. If I'm a Democrat, unions are good. And if I'm a Republican, unions are bad. And I don't have to have any data or any kind of research or any kind of citing of sources to explain myself. You look at the map, Washington, Oregon, California, Montana, Colorado, New Mexico, Illinois, Minnesota, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, Maine, all of uh, all of New England. These are all the, uh, the uh, union-friendly states. You got Georgia, Florida, the entire uh, southeast, Nevada, Arizona, Texas, uh, South Dakota, North Dakota, which you know, some of those are not as important as others that are all right-to-work states. What is a right-to-work state? What is right-to-work law? In the context of U.S. labor politics, right-to-work laws refer to state laws that prohibit union security agreements between companies and labor unions. Under these laws, employees in unionized workplaces are banned from negotiating contracts, which require all members who benefit from the union contract to contribute to the cost of the union representation. Basically, it doesn't ban... Unions, somebody can come in and, and arrange one. They tried at VW. I don't remember if they were successful at creating that union or not. Right-to-work laws are derived from legislation forbidding unions from forcing strikes on workers, as well as from legal principles such as liberty of contract, which is applied here, sought to prevent passage of laws regulating workplace conditions. All in all, it does seem to be a little bit of an antiquated um, uh, situation. Yeah, I'm sorry to be so ignorant to this. I just never spend any amount of time caring or thinking or talking about unions. But in the end, anything can be corrupted. Anything can be good. Anything can be bad. It's just as it's it's just dependent on the the integrity of the people who are involved of its management. And once upon a time, I had an argument with Jim Reynolds over at Talk, and we were it was a. Uh, it was a minimum wage conversation several years ago on the nth degree, if I remember right. And he he's better than me. He's more much more seasoned than me, at least back then. I, I feel like I can maybe school in these days. But he, I said something along the lines of, just because you can pay somebody, ble- you know, insert dollar amount here, doesn't mean that you should. And he said, well, I don't understand. What do you mean? What, what is that supposed to mean? Now, I don't know if he was just challenging me to have a better counterpoint, but his motivation to me at the time sounded like, uh, well, I if I want to pay my employees nine bucks an hour, again, insert dollar here, I will. And later on, it was one of those jerk store Seinfeld moments where I was like, God, I have my response days later. It was that if you want to have a quality workforce and you want to have efficiency and you want to have a quality company and a quality outgo and income and all that, then you treat your employees well. That's what you should do. That's my answer, Jim. Just because you can pay this amount, small amount of money, 
doesn't mean that you should. And I think that labor unions at, the, at, at many given times over the course of, uh, you know, of the modernization of America have done a lot of really good things. And I also think they've done a lot of really bad things. And I know they have here locally, at least, I don't know if it's an official union. I don't know how it works. Sorry, I can't explain it better. But UPS, I have United Parcel Service, UPS. I have known so many people that have worked there most of my life. Two or three that are still there now that have been there since post high school. And there's one incident I know of very highly documented for upwards of a decade of a drug addict user just... Just real piece of trash, lots of documented uh, domestic violence, just an awful human being. I went to high school with this guy, was friends with him for years. And without getting into all of why, it was a mess of a relationship. It's about a girl. And, uh, and, and he continued to just screw up, F up, mess everything up, and continue to never get fired because his union had his back. Or at least the, whatever they created within UPS here locally would not allow him to be fired, no matter how messed up he got or how many times he messed up. This went on for years. This goes back to 2003 and 4 and 5 and 6 and 7, 8, 9, 10. Well, rewind a couple years ago, and a guy comes to work at my day job at Cherokee Distributing. You know, he's delivering beer now for a living, or at least for this stretch, and he's talking to somebody in a room, and I, I don't do a lot of eavesdropping, but I can't help it because there's a bunch of people just, you know, running their mouth in there every day, and he's talking to them about the time he worked at UPS, and that he was a, uh, he was a supervisor, and I just said, whoa, hold on, man, what years were you a supervisor? And he tells me, I was like, then you've got to know bleep, you know, beep, the guy's name. And he was just like, it almost like his eyes lit up. Like, oh my God, holy bleep, let me tell you about this guy. And I said, no, you don't have to tell me about this guy. I know all about him. And it was a toxic environment that he had no control over because of the union's uh, stronghold on the, on the contracts that they had put together. He could not be fired and the supervisor could not get control of this maniac, this drug-addicted, mentally ill person, there was no way, this was completely untenable. There was nothing that could be done because of this toxically negotiated deal. So I, you know, that makes me think unions bad, all right? Then you can find me countless uh, examples of unions good. And I was going to read a whole a little section here. I'm not going to do it because I'm running a little longer than I'd like. I did what any millennial would do when I wanted to know more about unions, and I went to Reddit. I have a feeling a lot of my audience doesn't use Reddit whatsoever. I've started to use it more, and I do like it. But uh, millennials love Reddit for their information. And a lot of it's really good information. A lot of it's really crappy information, too. So I went and just Google searched Reddit and unions, and why are labor unions good or bad, and why should I care? And I highlighted through several of these, and I'm not going to read them because they're all the traditional stuff, except for this one real quick, which is the one we do here all the time. It is important to know that unions are directly responsible for most of the benefits that you enjoy every day, even as a non-union member, paid vacation, sick leave, 40-hour work week, overtime, health and safety provisions, better wages, blah, 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 blah. Uh, that might be true. Are they necessary to maintain that? If you run a good company, 
like the company I work for, Cherokee Distributing, then no, you don't need that. My company already takes care of us. We, they treat us very well, very great benefits, and we don't need a union to do it. So do I think unions are necessary? No, but I think they shouldn't be allowed. No, I don't think that either. And this is the one sentence that uh, is uh, very important based on the anecdotal story that I just told you because I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. It says, don't let certain people and certain unions affect your view of unions as a whole. And as I often say, just because your story about your grandfather having bad health care, that doesn't have anything to do with the state of health care in the United States. And just because your father or your brother-in-law or whoever has a really fat bank account and makes good money doesn't mean that the economy is good. And just because your cousin is poor and unemployed doesn't mean that the economy is bad. So just because I gave you a story about how a union seems to have gone wrong doesn't mean that a union is bad. Again, this is just something that in the Trumpification of uh, the United States right now that's not being talked about. And I don't know that it needs to be. But Labor Day was two days ago, and I got to come up with something to talk about every week. I'm going to get out now and come back with Trump is even getting Fox News hosts uh, pissed off. And um, we're, we're about to, I think we're about to have a really interesting next five to 10 years. Hell, we're going to have a really interesting next 100 million years. But there's something deep down inside telling me that if Trump wins the election, things are going to just go haywire for the next four years. And if Trump loses the election, Things are going to equally yet differently likely go haywire as well. I'll explain what I'm talking about coming up next. To more Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Stone on air.com. I think the president watches Fox. I also think he is getting sick of Fox, which is weird because I think he gets pretty fair coverage at Fox. But the president making clear to fact check him is to be all but dead to him and his legion of supporters who let me know in no uncertain terms I am either with him totally or I am a never Trumper fully. There are no grays, no middle ground. You're either all in or you're just out. Loyal on everything or not to be trusted on anything. Which could explain the president himself this week bashing Fox News yet again, urging his supporters to stop watching the channel to quote tweet, Fox isn't working for us anymore. Well, first of all, Mr. President, we don't work for you. I don't work for you. My job is to cover you, not fawn over you or rip you, just report on you, to call balls and strikes on you. My job, Mr. President, our job here is to keep the scores, not settle scores. Now, in my case, to report the economic numbers when they're good and when they're bad, when the markets are soaring and when they're tumbling, when trade talks look like they're coming together and when they look like they're falling apart. It is called being fair and balanced, Mr. President. Your ignorance must be Brand new Nick, let's go.
perfect song for this uh, segment, anything that involves Trump or the current estate of our affairs. I said a state of our affairs. State of affairs in um, in the United States of America. I don't, but I don't know the lyrics. It's something about your ignorance must be bliss. Uh, but it's something of this, and it seems like you're doing it on purpose. And it's a great song. New record coming out. Um, October 25th. Hope to have an announcement for the radio station on that day as well. If you're listening to this podcast, you're the only one that's ever heard that. But I'm still going to have to leave it at that. We'll go ahead and listen to this chorus one more time if it's about to play. I can't remember. Uh, come on. Come on, Nick. What are you doing? Anyway, so that's Neil Cavuto on the front end. He is Fox... Uh, this must be this. Sorry. For everybody else, it's the worst. Something about the circus. Something I didn't understand. And I'm starting to think it's on purpose. Believe it or not, we deserve this. And in the side show. Anyway, all right. So um, he's been doing mostly Fox business reporting for, uh, at least that I know of, because he used to do a cut-in with Dave Ramsey when I used to listen to Dave Ramsey's uh, monotonously boring, uh, re- repetitive, uh, redundant, over-and-over um, radio show every week. And um, there are good, there are good people left in the media. There are people who will just call it like they see it and not have just uh, nothing but uh, bias and slanted opinions. There's just not that many. And uh, it's fun to see somebody at Fox News fire back at the president because he deserves it because of his ridiculous uh, tweeting. Somebody who is a great friend of mine. I would put him in. I would put him in the uh, category of my best friends. Like, I don't have a best friend. There's not one. I've never understood completely the concept of a single best friend. I have a pool of best friends, and he would definitely be in that. And he's kind of doubled down the other way of just Trump can do wrong, right? He can, but it doesn't really matter. And um, because he's mostly concerned about his bottom line and uh, his family, and he's being selfish that way, which he should be, and there's no there's no shame in that. But we're he's a very smart guy, and we're sitting there recently, and so we 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 try to stay away from politics really most of the last five years, but certainly the last two, and. I don't remember how it started, but it's something about Trump this and Trump that and kind of laughing. Can you believe what he said? Oh, my God. And he was like, uh, uh, but, man, you know, I mean, the guy's, a, the guy's an idiot. He's gross. But you got to admit he's a good president, right? And I I just, you know, I, I did have to put on the don't be you hat, right? Get the, get the don't be you meter at. Can you just stop being you for a minute? And I just, I, I bailed. And I was just like, um, anyway, how about? How about the Vols? How, how good do you think they're going to be this week? And maybe that's karma because he's a huge Vols fan and he had to sit through that garbage. But it's like, wait, hold on. Where do you measure whether a president is good or not? How, how is that measured? Is it measured 
based on the economy? Is that is that what it's measured on? Is it measured on his influence? Is it measured on his leadership roles? Is it measured on his divisiveness? Is it measured on his communication skills? Is it measured on his foreign policy, his or her? Is it measured on what? What? How do we measure whether a president is good or not? And I would say for most Americans who are middle class to above that and up to affluent, all that matters is, is that their bank accounts are as healthy as possible. And, you know, I guess I can't terribly uh, uh, argue against that. I can say that I'd like to think I'm a little more well-rounded and a little more diverse than that. But my biggest concern day in, day out is my bank account as well. Um, I also like to think that uh, everybody walking around gets the opportunity to succeed or at least attempt to have an opportunity to succeed. Even if I don't like you, I don't wish anything poorly on you. So I I don't know how you define whether, well, you got to admit, I mean, he's a good president. Dude, I don't have to admit that. I know he doesn't listen to this podcast, and if he did, I wouldn't care. We'll talk about it next time we have some beers. But uh, you got to admit, no, I don't. No, 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 I don't. But uh, as I wrap up the show this week, one thing I just think that is uh, very important to just kind of think about and pay attention to is the same thing. And this is all, now this is just me, uh, complete conjecture here. You know, I'm I'm just trying to predict the future. Or the potential, you know, the choose-your-own-adventure. If you go this way, it goes that way, it goes that way. If it, you go that way, it goes this way and that way. That the same thing I, in, a, in a, a version of, that I thought of at the 16 election. I remember sitting at, uh, I think it was Southside Social. Uh, we were doing um, uh, trivia night. It was a handful of uh, people that I regularly have good uh, conversations with on this kinds of topics. And I was like, if you think that this that this almost war that is brewing in this country, this ideological war, if you think this is ending on November 9th, 2016, when Trump inevitably loses, like most people thought, even people who voted for him thought, you're crazy. And I remember one in particular was like, oh, yeah, this ain't over. <laughs> he's he's going to start a whole other war. Because remember, it was rigged against him. And then he turned it around and said it was rigged uh, for whatever. And um, I think we're going to get another variation of that. I think we're either going to get Trump wins. First of all, I think Trump's winning. I mean, if you listen regularly, you already know that I think that. I, I'm a Biden guy, but the more I watch him in action, I really, I just don't know if he's if he's all there enough. Um, he's 76 years old. I love him to death. I think he's one of the greatest politicians in the history of modern American politics. But I'm not sure that he is he is all there to be able to pull this off, not when he has to go up against uh, a bully like this. Um, three years ago, I think he was much sharper. Um, I wish he would have tried it then. But anyway, so if he wins, which I think he will, that's going to create such a new brewed up animosity that's just going to another generation is going to grow up feeling it. And the extremes are going to get more extreme. And we're really going to start just boiling over, you know, at that boiling point. And 
who knows what could happen from there with the amount of shootings everywhere. You, 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 think, you think ISIS quit shooting, killing people because they just got bored with it? No, they're watching us kill ourselves. We're our own worst enemy. And mental illness is just skyrocketing. And drug addiction is skyrocketing. And the two are cross-pollinating. And we really have a sick sick culture and society that's getting worse and worse. I mean, that stupid movie, The Hunger Games, which I actually kind of liked, I mean, that's what we're looking at here. The futuristic freak shows that we're like, oh, that could never happen. Who knows? Who knows with the mess that we're in right now? If he wins and that continues, we'll see. I think there's just going to be something that's just going to kind of blow our minds there. If he loses, if he loses in 2020... I think it could potentially be worse for the overall glue that keeps the uh, the, the culture and our, our societal, you know, what we used to think were norms, but just our way of life that we know it as we understand it together. I think that it's going to be a complete ideological civil war. And it might be decades from now. It might be 50 years from now. It might be 100 years from now. There's going to be a time when everybody just says, you know what? You want to be on that side? Then we will draw these lines. And this Constitution was made to be amended. And we will divide these states up. And I I think that's where this is going long term. And I'm not an overreactionary type. I don't mean like in the next couple of administrations or in the next... 5, 10, 20 years. I, I, I'm not saying that. And maybe maybe I am overreacting. It's easy to do. But I just see, I don't know, more and more chaos. And I'm not sure where the more chaos comes from. The, uh, the, the winning of the 2020 election for Trump or the, the defeat of the 2020 election. I think they both bring a certain level of chaos to them. Um, he will continue until he dies uh, fighting this fight, whether he is or isn't president. And then he will embolden people in his family and people in his circles to carry on his legacy. And I am tired of talking about that. All right, I'm going to wrap up the show. Let's see. Moon River this weekend, as I mentioned earlier. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to cooler temps, which are not coming for the next week. Mid to upper 90s, uh, really anywhere between 92 and 97 degrees between now, which is September 4th, through uh, seven days from now. Yeah, nothing says fall and fun football season than 97 degrees. All right, that's it. I'm out. Y'all have a good one. Talk to you again next week. Bye.